Welcome to Spycraft, a podcast that tells gripping life and death spy stories and the amazing devices and operations that made them possible. Now, let's get started. Do you like fencing? Well, it is the Olympics this year, right? We have Summer Olympics coming up. And we actually have a spy that was a fencer, believe it or not, by the name of Jerzy Pawlowski. He was a Polish fencer and a double agent. So let's learn the story of Jerzy. While a major in the Polish Army, Pawlowski won the gold medal in the individual Sabre event at the 1968 Summer Olympics in Mexico City, the first non-Hungarian in 48 years to win an Olympic Sabre gold medal. He took part in a total of six Olympic Games, garnering additionally three silver medals and a bronze. He was arrested, though, on April 24, 1975, and on April 8, 1976, was sentenced by a military court in Warsaw to 25 years of prison. 10 years, suspension of civic rights, demotion to private, forfeiture of all his property. He, in fact, had been a double agent for the U.S. CIA from 1964 and for Polish intelligence from 1950. Let's backtrack a little bit and let's go ahead and look about it. In 1956, Pawlowski took silver and the following year won the world title as well as winning gold in 1968. Pawlowski was slightly built and about five foot nine, but he was exceptionally graceful, his body advancing and retreating with control, but his torso seemed not to move as his legs carried him. So he was very gifted at gymnastics, at fencing as well. By the 1970s, the lightning fast tearaway had been replaced by a supreme technician with the footwork of a dancer. A rival team manager reckoned Pawlowski had eight different ways of moving forward in the world of fencing, each calculated to induce a different reaction. One teammate recalls Pawlowski's lessons with his Hungarian coach, their blades moving so fast that even an experienced onlooker cannot follow. Kevy took to teaching Pawlowski with sabers in each hand. Why waste time? Tales about him are legendary, in fact. Early on in his career in a competition in Budapest before a partisan crowd, Pawlowski was set to fight Zoltan Horvath, the Hungarian champion. The young Pole was told that if he used his usual tactics, he would lose. Horvath's technical repertoire was too great. Instead, he, used, he should use his speed to get an early hit by counterattacking to his tall opponent's head. Then he should sit back and wait. The crowd would get restless and taunt their champion for not finishing off. Horvath, a vain man, much given to brooding when his plans went awry, would get frustrated, and then Pawlowski could trust himself to counterattack again. The match went ahead as foreseen. Pawlowski scored the first hit, then seemed to do nothing. The crowd started to chant, exhorting its man on, on in the words of an ancient battle cry of uh, back to the Attila the Hun, Huge, Huge, Hadra. After a few moments of chanting, Pawlowski suddenly stopped, took off his mask, and started to conduct the audience with his saber. Eventually, realization dawned. In Russian, the chant pronounced phonetically, Hugi, or Huey, coincidentally means penis, or more accurately, prick. In Polish, the word is spelt Huj, H-U-J, but pronounced similarly. The crowd was unintentionally insulting its champion. The fight resumed. Horvath pressed angrily forward, and Pawlowski hit him again and again to win an easy victory. So how did he ever get involved with the spy world? This is where it gets interesting. 
In the 1960s, he was completing his law studies. He drove around in a Mercedes 300, the same car as the country's prime minister. He lived in the center of Warsaw in a five-room apartment full of antique furniture and expensive books. So he was doing well financially. He seemed never aging in all the world... In all, he was a world finalist 17 times. In 1973, he reached the final for the last time. Then all of a sudden, he fell off the face of the earth. That's right. News leaked out over the summer that he had been arrested for crimes against the interests of the state. It leaked out that during 1974, a NATO spy had confessed that one of his five co-agents was Powell, P-A-W-E-L, which was the nickname for Pawlowski. Although he had several other ones, the card player, because of his fondness for poker. Just before he was taken into custody, Pawlowski had been pronounced the most outstanding sportsman in his country, had produced in more than a decade. Time magazine called him the undisputed sports hero of Poland. The news of his arrest, you can imagine, shocked the young people of Poland, or the public in Poland. Almost immediately, influential figures in the government and the army tried to cover up the affair, but the Russian representative to the Warsaw Pact High Command demanded the death penalty. Pawlowski was interrogated for two and a half months and eventually put on trial by a military tribunal. It gave him a sentence that had no standing under Polish law, 25 years imprisonment for espionage on behalf of an undesignated NATO country. There was talk that Pawlowski avoided death because he, was, he used to go shooting. He was a fine marksman with Jawaluski, the Polish premier, but the court declared that he had been spared because he had admitted his crimes, revealed his contacts, and provided a detailed account of his spying activities. Another of his friends, the acclaimed writer Jerzy Kozinski, introduced the affair into his 1977 novel, Blind Date, which tells of Pawlowski, the greatest fencer of all time, who was arrested and taken to a military fortress where he has his fencing arm broken. In the absence of official versions, this is totally fiction. Pawlowski immediate, had immediate repercussions of his arrest. A number of other officers were tried and sentenced on some of the charges, and 120 Polish fencers were interrogated. Several senior officers were replaced, and even the head of the Polish Navy was relieved of his post. His celebrity gave him little leverage in prison. According to his own account, there were seven men in his cell, pedophile, psychopaths, and mentally deranged individuals. He was allowed 112 Cislati a, a week, which is a certain amount of money. A little bit less than a pound. Um, he was right, able to write one letter a month and two parcels a year. He took up watercolors, first painting with his prison toothbrush, and became so adept that he was later to exhibit his work widely. So a very talented man in a lot of different ways. One prisoner who was serving a life sentence for murder became Pawlowski's chess partner. He suffered from head pains, and one day Pawlowski laid his hands on the man's head, and the migraines never returned, the legend goes. After his release in 1985, Pawlowski practiced his healing gifts at one of Warsaw's main hospitals. By now in his mid-50s, he also took up fencing again. Soon after he was freed, he went to the, one of the main Warsaw clubs, challenged the young bloods and won nearly every fight. A few later, years later, he entered a classification tournament and just missed the final. He was married three times, lastly to Iwanka, his wife, for 40 years. After her husband was taken into custody, she was told that her work as an obstetrician would be imperiled unless she filed for divorce. She refused and soon after lost her job. When Pawlowski first got out of prison, he tried to clear his name, planning to take on the minister who had been in charge of investigating him. For a while, the government did nothing. But after Pawlowski started making speeches proclaiming his innocence, and in 1991, uh, in a leading magazine, revealed that since... August 1955, Pawlowski had been spying for the state. 
against his own teammates, telling the security services which athletes were planning to defect, who supported Israel in the Middle East war, and who might be open to approaches. His spying ceased abruptly in March 1962 when it was judged that he was using his position for personal gain. These and similar articles were even more damaging than the original charges. In 1994, Pawlowski wrote a second self-justifying book, My Longest Duel, exclusively about his days as a spy. As a young boy, he had been part of the 1944 Warsaw Uprising, he wrote, and that same wish for freedom had remained his motivation. He also detailed countermeasures against him by the KGB, including two assassination attempts. In 2000, he considered legal action against two journalists who he considered libeled him and was only persuaded to remain silent when he was told that the government had evidence that while in jail he had agreed to spy against solidarity prisoners. Before his arrest, Pawlowski had fame, unlimited travel, and a pampered life, as you kind of noticed earlier. He was a billionaire, in a sense, with money from part share of a restaurant from a sheep farm he owned. So what made him a spy? He said, my heart is Polish, my mind American. But East European fencers laughed at the idea of his motive being ideological. Some of them said, with Jersey, it was always about money. And he always likes taking risks, which we see a lot with spies, don't we? Gambling made life more interesting and more the adrenaline run. And if that could be combined with getting more money and hurting the Russians, so much the better. But taking risks was at the heart of it all. He needed that dopamine hit, which hits our reward system in the brain. And I'm seeing a lot of these spies need that hit, that adrenaline rush, right? Which is usually corroborated or supported with that reward circuit of our brain. So it's been really fascinating. I might have to do a podcast on... The psychology of a spy, as I, as I listen to these different spy stories each and every time I read them for you, and I see this, a lot of similar underlying themes, right? This desire for action and adventure, for risk-taking. Um, it's really fascinating because some of the traits of a psychopath tend to have impulsivity issues and risk-taking, but these individuals, I don't think they're psychopaths. I think they're they do have this lure for that, that dopamine hit and that desire for the adrenaline rush and excitement in life more so than other people. So it could be some kind of issue in the prefrontal cortex. It could be the way they grew up. It could be the way they find identity in life. There's a lot of variables. It doesn't have to be just one. But it is fascinating. Maybe I will do a psychology of a spy show one of these days.